Welcome back in to another edition of First Draft. My name is Field DH, joined by two of the men who are synonymous with the NFL Draft, Mr. Matt Miller and the mock drafter himself, Jordan Reed. His mock draft 1.0 is available the day that this podcast drops. I got to start here, Jordan. What is it like putting out the first mock draft? Is it fear because you know that so much can change between now and six months from now? Or is it excitement because you know a lot of people are going to read this mock draft and let you know exactly how they feel about the picks? Well, it's really a little bit of both, honestly, Phil, just because you get so many reactions on the mock draft. Either they like it or they dislike it. There's no really in between. You're going to get a lot of hate tweets about oh my team would never pick this player oh oh i love this pick so that's always my favorite reactions to the mock but these are always fun pieces to put together especially things that we're hearing and things that we see as far as when we're researching teams what are some trends that they have what are some positions of need and then just some fits that each team may have or some interest that they may have in prospects one piece of housekeeping here for those that are getting riled up the draft order not determined by Jordan. It was determined <laughs> by the ESPN analytics team. We're going to lean lean on them for every mock draft between now and the end of the regular season. You know, Matt, I I, I seem to find Twitter to be a very friendly place. No one ever says mean things, right? <laughs> I mean, you, you no. must have no idea what Jordan's talking about at the moment. Not at all. They, <laughs> Jordan just must have a lot of haters on, on yeah. Twitter. I, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what's going on there. I've never <laughs> had anyone yell at me over a mock draft or like, yeah. you know, ain't say anything negative. But yeah. it is a fun exercise, man. It really is. And I would say this to to add a little more like like of a, a caveat to it is, you know, we still have 10 weeks of an NFL season. There's going to be guys in the NFL that improve over the next 10 weeks where right now you're thinking, hey, this might be a weakness for the, this team. And in, in 10 weeks, it's not. And so yeah. I would just, you know, it's a it's a process. There's a reason it's called the draft process because yeah. it is, you know, we go through watching players, NFL and college, team needs are going to change, trades are going to change things in the NFL. So I think Jordan's done a, a hell of a job with this, though. It's, it's going to be fun to jump into it. Here's an interesting way to think about it. Think about how long it's been since the last NFL draft, the 2023 NFL draft. We are basically halfway between the 2023 and the 2024 NFL draft, almost to the day. feels like the 2023 draft was a freaking eon ago. And here <laughs> yeah. we are with just about that much time until the upcoming draft. So much can change, uh, much can be debated, and certainly we'll do all that on First Draft and all over ESPN. Let's begin at the top, though, Jordan, and a trade that might one day go down is one of the better ones ever, as the Bears currently own that first pick from the Carolina Panthers. Justin Fields currently injured, but played, I would say, poorly at times earlier this season, and then looked like a star at other times this season. What do the Bears do at pick number one overall? Well, I think you have to take Caleb Williams, and I know they're invested in Justin Fields. They put a lot of resources into that receiving core this year, bringing over DJ Moore, drafting Darno Wright, number 10 overall, who's shown some promise. But whenever you get a talent like Caleb Williams, I just don't think you can pass it up. And yes, I know Justin Fields, he showed a lot in that Washington game. I think that was one of the better games that he had of the season. But I just think Caleb Williams is so far ahead of Justin right now as far as a prospect. Now, we don't know he's going to be on the NFL level, but you get to reset the financial clock with Caleb Williams. But I think that's one of the biggest positives. But also, Ryan Poles and his regime, they did not draft Justin Fields, so they don't have any ties to him. So I'm going to go with Caleb Williams right here, and I just think it's a pick that makes sense. And then now you get to auction off Justin Fields to potentially a team that needs quarterback help as well. Yeah, and I would add into that, let's remember, let's go back six months we were having this debate on every show. Mm. Uh, should the Bears take Bryce Young or should they trade the number one pick and keep Justin Fields? And no disrespect to Bryce Young, but Caleb Williams is a much, much better prospect. So if you were having that conversation around five foot 10, 200 pound 
Bryce Young, then you're definitely having that conversation around a player who I had an article last week where scouts say this is a generational quarterback prospect, you know, up there with Trevor Lawrence and Andrew Luck. You're I'm with Jordan. Like I know Bears fans maybe aren't going to love this. Some are probably going to love it, but I think this is the right direction. And then, as you said, move Justin Fields and, and gain some draft capital that way. I think it's still a very, very, very strong likelihood that Caleb Williams goes first overall, maybe call it like 98% likely. He's in the midst of sort of a two-game slump right now. You know, they have lost back-to-back games, has USC, uh, Notre Dame, and then Utah most recently. Defense isn't helping him much. Offensive line isn't helping him much. Not exactly a super-duper talented receiving core, even with some guys that will be in the NFL amongst his perimeter players. But this is not probably what we have seen other star quarterbacks throw to in recent years. But Caleb will be an interesting player to follow over these next couple of months because it feels like for the first time, maybe since he arrived at USC, there's like a little growing group of detractors of Caleb Williams. I think that's probably more just like par for the course. When a guy's been this high on the mountaintop for as long as Caleb Williams has, people just want to nitpick things for the sake of argument. Number two overall pick, Jordan, there may not be any argument in terms of what this player can be in the NFL draft. And the Cardinals are playing scrappy football, but not scrappy enough to remove them from that top five pick consideration. Where do they go in number two? Well, they go with Marvin Harrison Jr., the very talented wide receiver at Ohio State. But I'm going to back up a little bit, Phil, just because we talked about a lot about the Bears quarterback situation. I think this situation in Arizona is really unique as well Mm. with Kyler Murray being activated off of the pup list. He returned to practice last week, and it's still kind of TBD with their quarterback situation. And I wouldn't discount Arizona going quarterback with this pick, just depending on how Kyler Murray does play. So this pick was really interesting and one I went back and forth with, but we don't know what Kyler Murray is post-injury. So I went wide receiver here, but this this pick very very may well could be a quarterback as well, but there's just no way you can pass up Marvin Harrison Jr. Expecting uh, I'm expecting Kyler Murray to come back and look like what he did prior to his injury, and if he does... You have to take Marvin Harrison Jr. here. Yeah, the financials with Kyler are a little tricky. A lot trickier than with Justin Fields. You know, or with we're going to talk every team in like the top 10, it feels like we could be talking about they could draft a quarterback and move on from a guy they've already drafted or paid. So that's just every team's going to have that combo. But I think with Arizona, like, yeah, I mean, you could move on from Kyler, but it's going to be pretty expensive to do so over the next two years. And, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. is so special. I almost feel like we've run out of ways to talk about a player who, to be six foot four, 210 pounds, and have the body control and flexibility that he has, like I think it gets lost on people. We're like, oh, he's the son of a Hall of Famer. He's really good. It's like, no, like he's he's great. And the savviness that he plays with is is so special. And you know, this past week against Penn State, everybody in the stadium knew where the ball was going. Didn't matter. Kalen mm-hmm. King couldn't stop him. Yeah. No one could stop him. So it, Marvin definitely deserves, you know, all the flowers for how great of a prospect he is. And yeah, he's close to slam dunk as well. Like if he's on the clock, you draft him. Doesn't matter if you need a receiver or not. He's a player you draft. Yeah, he was the best player on the field in a game that featured, what, at minimum three future first round picks, probably even more like four or five by the time we get to the full draft process, including one We'll hear his name called very shortly uh, in this mock draft by Jordan Reed. But let's go to number three. And Matt, you just said that a lot of teams in the top 10 have a quarterback conversation. Some are more complicated than others. I would argue that Denver at three is a very complicated one, Jordan, because while Russell Wilson, I think, has been much better this year than he was last year. Not sure that's saying a whole lot. Talk about the financials. This one would be difficult to uh, press reverse on and try to find your way out of cleanly for 2024. But do the Broncos attempt to do so in your mock draft? 
Yeah, I have them going with Drake May here, and I would be shocked if this isn't the order some way or some fashion of the first three picks, Caleb Williams, Drake May, and um, Marvin Harrison Jr. I would be completely floored if those aren't the first three players selected hmm. in April. But I think Denver just has to go quarterback here, and it just feels like a weird dynamic in Denver with Sean Payton and Russell Wilson. It just seems like there's some disconnect there. And, yes, I know Russell's playing better this year, but I just think Sean Payton is going to want his own guy at the end of the day. And I know Denver, they signed him to the massive contract, and I don't have the financial specifics right here in front of me. So I don't know what the cap hit would be. It's bad. Yeah, it's I'm, bad. I'm it's sure bad. it's very yeah. similar <laughs> to Kyler Murray's. But they just have to find a way to hit the reset button just because I don't being in the AFC West, there's like you have Kansas City, you have the Chargers, and there I know the Raiders are down right now, but I mean there's nowhere there's the only way they can go is up in that division, but it's very mm-hmm. very hard to get to the mountaintop with both of those quarter with both of those teams already having quarterbacks. So I just think they need to get the quarterback of their own, and that quarterback would be Drake May. Yeah, I mean it's hard to argue with, it. and also like if we're comparing Arizona and Denver in those quarterback conversations. Kyler's still what 24 years old. Russell Wilson's 32. So like you got yeah. the age difference there as well. And I, I do feel like it's important to note again, Sean Payton went to the Broncos knowing Russell Wilson was there, but he hasn't felt extremely tied to him. So I do think Denver is, yeah, drafted quarterback. And I'll tell I'll say this, Jordan. If Drake May doesn't get if Denver says, hey, let's, you know, we'll go defense or something crazy here. Uh, Drake may probably comes off with the very next pick. Like he's not going to be yeah. waiting very long <laughs> anyway. Like Drake's not yeah. going to be waiting. Uh, he'll have a short night in Detroit. I, I have a very, very confident feeling about that. Sort of an interesting start to the season for Drake may it's been up and down truthfully. Like if you go back and watch some of these games against teams that you would expect him to dominate most recently UVA, they lost to UVA a one in five team entering the game right around a 50% completion percentage for Drake may. Uh, I can't, we, we can probably make excuses for every player. But the offensive line play in North Carolina leaves a lot to be desired for Drake May right now. And he just recently got Tez Walker back, but certainly checks a lot of the boxes that you're looking for in a franchise quarterback. Uh, you mentioned if he didn't go three, Matt, he could go four, which is interesting because it would be the Giants, Jordan. And that would be a very complicated Daniel yeah. Jones conversation as he is not even a year into a four-year, very hefty extension. If they don't go quarterback here. Where do they go instead? They go with Penn State offensive tackle Olu Fashanu, and this is another very, very, very interesting situation. (laughs) Just because you just you just addressed offensive tackle with Evan Neal uh, very recently, but he's been very disappointing, and I'm surprised at how bad he's been in New York. He was a top prospect for me, and I thought he was a slam dunk pick when they had both of those top ten picks with him and Kayvon Thibodeau, but it just hasn't worked out, and. Even talking to scouts when he was coming out, and even in his earlier days at Alabama, he did play some guard. So maybe that's something that they entertain. Next year, maybe they kick him inside at guard, and then they transition Olu over to the right side, and then you already have Andrew Thomas, who's an absolute stud. So I went with Olu here just because it was the best player available scenario, and I didn't have any trades in here. So Olu was the best player on the board, so you slide him in at right tackle, and then you slide Evan Neal inside. What do you think, Matt? Ooh. Yeah, I love Olu. I, I do. And so it's Me hard to too. argue with the positional value. Like, I mean – Okay, let's, he did not play that well against Ohio State. They are his kryptonite. It, two years, he's not been great against Ohio State. Uh, but I do think he's the best player on the board here. I just wonder with the Giants, like that is so much draft capital. And and like if you're going to invest more offensive lines, it's probably a good place to invest, right? And uh, I would be so tempted by Keon Coleman at this point. You know, Ooh. just go get a big mm. receiver. Give if you're gonna if you're gonna ride with Daniel Jones, give him someone that can increase his strike zone because he's <laughs> just we're not talking about. 
Aaron Rodgers level accuracy here. He needs someone that can elevate and, and extend and, and make some of those close misses catches. So, and I'm probably the the president of the Keon Coleman fan club, it, it, certainly a founding member of, of it. So I would, I would be very tempted to grab another receiver here. And it'd be so fascinating if they took, I mean, there are multiple reasons why taking Olu would be fascinating. I mean, not the least of which is some of the things you guys have dived into already, but it's like, do, do you play a player who's been the best left tackle in college football for what, three years in a row at right tackle? Like, uh, you know, some guys have made that transition yeah. look fairly seamless. Panay Sewell has been excellent as a right tackle uh, for Detroit. Maybe he eventually becomes a left tackle, but not everybody can make that transition. And then are you admitting defeat on Evan Neal 15, 16, 17 months into his NFL career? That would be fascinating uh, as well. Uh, but we have also seen around the NFL, no position is drier in terms of talent than the offensive line play right now. It's just yeah. terrible around the NFL. Go back to the Bears, Jordan, as what a trade this would be. Again, the first pick in the draft and now the fifth pick. This would be their own. What do the Bears do after already grabbing Caleb Williams? They go with Alabama outside linebacker Dallas Turner. Mm. And I just think this is a huge need for the Bears. And I was shocked that they didn't address edge rusher, even their defensive line early on in the draft last year. And they selected two defensive tackles later on on day two. But they just weren't very aggressive attacking the edges last year. And I just think this is a huge need. Last year, their leading sack player with the most sacks was Jaquan Brisker. And he's a safety. Mm. Yeah. This year, they only have nine sacks, which is the second worst in the league. So they have a clear need at defensive end. Dallas Turner has one of the highest pressure rates of any player in the country, and I think he would be a great fit here. Yeah, I, I, they're going to regret that Jalen Carter passed on Jalen Carter, I think. For yeah. a Ooh, I don't know. Like, it's yeah. great, you know, as great as Ryan Poles is, has wheeled and dealed and moved around a lot, um, like you said, Field, could be a great trade, all-time great trade to, with Carolina, but uh, they definitely need someone on, on the edge. It's crazy, though, because like last year, Houston – had, they took C.J. Stroud at two, traded up to Wayne Anderson at three. Now the Bears a year later are, are getting, I think, two players that are on that same tier. And, and I would say better with Caleb Williams. And then, you know, the guy who steps in for Will Anderson, Dallas Turner, who you know, statistically has outperformed what Will did last year at this point of the season. So uh, just it is a huge need. And you could say for Chicago, I mean, we could be talking about offensive tackle. We could be talking about a big bodied wide receiver after the debacle that was the Chase Claypool mm -hmm. trade. They just they have needs at almost every position. So I think walking away with QB one and I think the best defender in the draft, that is a, a huge, huge win for them. You know, this draft is begging for somebody on the defensive side of the ball to step up and be the alpha of this class. And halfway through the college football season, Dallas Turner is by far the closest thing to a draft eligible defensive player that has asserted themselves as a cut above the rest. Some other guys that have some work to do to kind of really be a part of that conversation. Pick six, Washington Commanders, Jordan, another team where we might debate whether they should take a quarterback. Who do they take instead? Then we're going with Notre Dame offensive tackle Joe Alt. And I think he's one of the better offensive players or offensive linemen, I should say, in this draft class. And there's some scouts that actually prefer Alt to Olu. That's how impressive he's actually been that's impressive that's how what would the appeal be there i would say the dna that he has with his dad being a hall of famer for the chiefs yep. um just the, the upside Alt that he has player. yeah his upside that he has only playing the position for really two years now he came into notre dame as a tight end so yeah. still really trying to figure out how to play the position but just his length at six foot eight 315 pounds he's just ready to play right away like he can hear his name tomorrow in the nfl draft and he can start for 
20 teams in the NFL yeah. right now. And this is a huge need for the commanders. I think somehow just got sacked again while we were recording this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> they're already up to 40 sacks this year. Um, That's gonna unbelievable. Break, they're going to break the Texans record. I think it was 76 back in yeah. 2002 with David Carr. So offensive line is a huge, huge need right here. And I, there's just no way they can pass up Joe. Alder. I think he's a plug and play option for them at left tackle. He feels like one of the old school. None of us are old enough to remember this, but you know, like the hogs, he feels like a guy that would have fit in yeah. so well with that group. And I'll add on to what Jordan was saying. Joe is so poised. And that's what I love about his game. He is relatively new to the left tackle position, but even go back and watch week one this year. Uh, he's just never panicked. And there might be a time where a pass rusher gets a little bit of, of leverage on him or a step on him that his, his recovery agility and length are, are exceptional. And he's, I mean, with Notre Dame, they're an offensive line factory. You know they're going to be well-coached. He's just the next in that line. Yeah. Um, for Washington, I will say one thing to keep an eye on would be who's going to rush the passer for them on the edge next year. Chase Young's a free agent. Montez Sweat's a free agent. There's not a pass rusher that I would slot in here. Definitely not ahead of Joe Alt, but that is a, a position that I keep coming back to with Washington is who's – are you going to pay one of those guys, both of those guys? What's, yeah. what's going to happen to the front four? Let's go to pick number seven. It's been a long time since the Patriots had a top 10 draft pick. Uh, this is where they end up with the uh, the current ESPN uh, analytics projections and a team that might be in the quarterback market as well, Jordan. So what do they do? So I thought about quarterback here, but with Bill Belichick, I just don't see him starting all the way over with a young passer again. And if you think about mm -hmm. the weapons that Mac Jones has or lack thereof, he just doesn't have anybody to throw the ball to. So with them wanting to stay in 12 personnel, Mike Gusecki, uh, being a free agent this offseason, then also Hunter Henry being scheduled to be a free agent this offseason as well. I went with Brock Bowers, the tight end from Georgia. And we've seen this before with Kyle Pitts going in the top 10 or top five, and then Brock Bowers now going in the top 10. It's very risky to take a tight end this early, but Brock Bowers is just so special. He's a wide receiver, tight end combo, very similar to George Kittle. And while researching this pick, what I found so fascinating is that they haven't really drafted a very successful skill position player on the offensive side since Rob Gronkowski in 2010. Mm -hmm. They have not been very successful with drafting offensive skill position players. So I think with them wanting to be in 12 personnel, wanting to keep those two tight ends on the field, I think this is a, a option for Brock Bowers to go right away to a team where he can be a go-to target. Yeah, I love Brock Bowers. I think he's my number three overall player. So what I'm about to say is not a knock on Brock Bowers at all, but Gosh, I feel like they have to go quarterback. And I, I know with mock drafts, you you can see like a team, oh, they need to go quarterback and be like, well, there's not one out there. You know, it's like supply and demand don't always match up. But uh, that that's the hard part. And I'm sure people are going to read this, Jordan, and be like, the Patriots need a quarterback. And you're like, yeah, they do. But who do <laughs> you, you want me to, yeah. to put in this yeah. spot? You know, if if you're not projecting Shooter or Sanders to come out, you know, and I love J.J. McCarthy. This is a little rich for J.J. Quinn Ewers is hurt and inconsistent as I'll get out. It's, it's it's hard to slot that other guy in here. So I'll, I'll preemptively, uh, you know, get in here for you because I know people are going to wonder why you don't have a quarterback going to New England. But you know, Brock Bowers makes that quarterback, whoever it is, whether it's Mac Jones or they bring in a free agent, it's going to make their life a heck of a lot easier. And I know you've said it before, but like he's George Kittle. You know, he is a the same build. I think the athleticism is similar. Brock isn't quite there as a blocker yet, but but I think he has the ability to get there. Uh, and he, of course, we hope to see him back on the field at some point this season. He had that tightrope surgery on that high ankle sprain. So uh, TBD on the timeline, sounded like maybe four to six weeks after the surgery. If Georgia loses a couple of games and they can't really compete for the playoffs, who knows whether that would change or not. 
Uh, but we'll see whether we see uh, Brock Bowers at some point back this season. He was just unbelievable prior to that injury, though. Uh, one of the most consistent players in the entire country. Let's go to pick number eight, Jordan. The Raiders are on the clock here. Where do they go? This is where things kind of got a little bit difficult for me, just because I think we have some blue chip players in this yeah, draft. Brock hit, Bowers, right? yeah, Olu, Caleb, and Drake May. Those are your really your blue chip type of players. So this is where it kind of got kind of difficult for me. The Raiders could go quarterback here. Jimmy G just hasn't been consistent. We know the injury history with him. But they end up going corner right here with Kool-Aid McKinstry, who currently is my cornerback one. And cornerback one, this really a toss-up right now. This is one of the most difficult decisions positional-wise. There just hasn't been a standout corner so far in this draft class. And we were so spoiled with last year's group with Devin Weatherspoon and Christian Gonzalez. The list goes on and on of the players that we talked about potentially going in the first round last year. But there just hasn't really been a standout player as far as at the cornerback position. But with Kool-Aid McKinstry, if I had to choose one at that position, it would be him. And the Raiders have a huge need at corner. Marcus yeah. Peters is going to be turning 31 years old. They have some young players that they like, Nate Hobbs, um, and some other players that they like in the secondary quite a bit. Uh, Ja'Korian Bennett, another player that they took on day two out of Maryland. He's he's played some productive snaps for them as well. But they just need a true CB1, and I think Kool-Aid can give them that. And the Raiders need everything. You know, is the hard part. And and even, you know, pass rusher uh, opposite Max Crosby. They took Tyree Wilson. And I know he's been slowed by injury, but he's done nothing. And, and that is such a huge need for them. So I, I think you could you could say almost any position here, Jordan, and, and Raider fans would have to be happy with it. Uh, I'm... I, I, we just wrote last week, like who's our key, our CB one. And I was like, oh, Kool-Aid McKinstry. And the, the more I've watched over the past probably week, I, I think he's still CB one for me, but I have definitely cooled on this corner class as I dove into some of the numbers as I dove into more film. And I'm just, I feel like every ranking update I do, I'm moving those corners down the list. So I, I don't disagree with you. This is, Corners absolutely need for the Raiders. It has been since Charles Woodson left, it feels like. But uh, I just, for me, eight is way rich for the this corner class. I'm not saying it won't happen. We know it's a premium position. And, and I'm with you. Kool-Aid is, is certainly intriguing, especially what he brings in the special team game. But, man, I just, I can't. If it were me in that GM spot, I'm not drafting a corner at eight this year. Well, let's go to pick number nine then, the Packers. And uh, this another team that if they're picking number nine, Jordan, could be in the quarterback conversation. So what do you have them doing? Another team that needs a lot of help, uh, whether it's that quarterback, offensive line, wide receiver, there's some safety. There's uh, so many different positions or different directions that the Packers could go. But the thing that's really interesting about the Packers is that with offensive line and wide receiver, it's kind of a mirror image of each other of where mm. they just simply don't select them on day one. They kind of rely on their draft and develop method with them. They've had some successful players at both spots, but I went against the grain here and I went <laughs> offensive tackle. I went with JC Latham just because they have such a huge need at offensive tackle. I think JC Latham will be a plug and play option for them. I love JC Latham. And and as you see here, three tackles in the top nine just speaks to how deep this class is. And if when you guys read Jordan's mock draft, you're going to see a couple other really good ones that could even push up, you know, be top 12, top 15 picks. So, yeah, this is it, it's not what they do. Um, I, when you said against the grain, I thought maybe you're going to go receiver for a second. That would have been, <laughs> you know, just for just for fun. You got to do it. But I think Green Bay is one of those rosters where a lot like New England with Tom Brady, you see how much Aaron Rodgers was holding this roster together and how great quarterback play covers up some warts elsewhere on the roster. And mm. we're seeing that now because Jordan Love's just not to that point. And with David Bakhtiari injured uh, and an and aging player, I think this is a, a smart way to go. You know, obviously, JC is, is a right tackle, but they've got some flexibility on that offensive line now. Yeah, I, I, 
think I like the roster a little bit better. I just think it might be that uh, it's obviously Aaron helped elevate everybody on that roster, but I also feel like it's maybe the opposite effect. It's like uh, right now he got a bit of an anchor feel to uh, Jordan Love, right? Kind of just dragging other people down with his inconsistent play through the first six games of the season. Let's rank a finish up, I should say, with the top 10 here. Uh, and the Titans, who a team that maybe is sort of headed towards the top of the draft order, Jordan, by design. They recently traded away Kevin Byard. We, uh, at the time of this recording, are a week away from the NFL's trade deadline. Maybe they make more moves. Who do you have them taking with their first pick? This is another pick field, and Matt, that was really difficult just because they need offensive line, but I didn't mm. like an offensive tackle inside of the top 10. I think they've kind of cooled on the wide receiver need a little bit. We'll see if they end up trading Newt Hopkins. They still have Traylon Burks as well. So I don't think they need to draft a wide receiver this high, even though it could be an option. So I went with corner. Again, I went with Nate Wiggins, a player that a lot of scouts were really excited about coming into this year. And he's had a very productive season. He didn't have a good game against Miami uh, later on in the game. He gave up a touchdown. That was his first one of the year. But prior to that point, he's been lights out. And there's some teams and some scouts that do have him as CB1 in this draft. So I went with Nate Wiggins here. I think he's... He's surging up boards a little bit, and I'm with you, Matt. I'm not super high on this cornerback class, but one I do find really intriguing is Nate Wiggins. Yeah, Wiggins is the one where I, I'm probably the most different from from the group on. I think I have him like 30 overall. Um, and it's it might just be me not really liking this corner class. Like I said, I keep moving guys down, waiting for someone to to pop off. But I, I do think with Tennessee, could they they could absolutely go corner. Um, and it feels yeah. like there's a reset here with Rand Carthon as the GM. He and Mike Vrabel are going to figure out their actual philosophy of team building, what they're looking for. And we could see them go anywhere. I mean, Ryan Tannehill is a free agent. Derrick Henry is a free agent. Yeah. Um, they, they could pick a position. The Titans have a need at it, basically. And, and wouldn't be surprised if we see more players moved like Kevin Byard was uh, close to the deadline. Let's rip through some other picks that have sort of caught my eye between 11 through 32. And again, the entire mock draft available on ESPN.com right now. Um, I wasn't intending to go from pick 10 to pick 11, but because Matt mentioned how much he <laughs> loves the player, Keon Coleman would join the Colts here and uh, talk about some heavy artillery for uh, Anthony Richardson to work with Jordan between Michael Pittman Jr., the emergence of Josh Downs has been great so far this season, adding Keon Coleman to the mix as well. I mean, this is like a basketball player playing wide receiver. What more can you tell us about him at pick 11? This is probably my favorite fit of any in the mock draft. All right, I like it. It just makes so much sense. Just give Anthony Richardson that guy that can go up and get the ball, and let's build this basketball team on the perimeter. You have Alec Pierce as well, a player who I'm very high on that we didn't even mention. Now you add Keon Coleman into the mix. I just think it's such a great fit just because going back to last year, Keon Coleman has the most contested catches of anybody in the FBS with 10. And he's not just a contested catch guy. He can get open. He can separate. You see the explosion after the catch. Everybody saw the LSU game, how he performed against Clemson. That was another game where he was exceptional in. And he's just hitting his stride right now. So give Anthony Richardson some more security on the perimeter. I'm a big fan of Keon Coleman. He's my wide receiver, too, right now behind Marvin Harrison, Jr., yeah, this is their Shane Steichen's AJ Brown. Like that's who mm. Keon Coma would yeah, be in that up. offense. Just physical, man, and and so powerful. And like you said, hitting his stride. He, he's a transfer from Michigan State. Like he's still probably learning the names of all the coaches, and he's he's dominating <laughs> like this. Yeah. And six foot four, and you think this big, powerful dude, and he is, but he's also their punt returner. Mm, he shows his explosiveness yeah. and like his wiggle in space. So I'm a I'm with you. I'm a huge Keon Coleman fan and. Uh, it seems like every week he just is ascending as a player. We don't have to go too far to uh, to have the next pick that catches my eye, Jordan. But 
the Bengals at 13 taking Roma Dunze, wide receiver yeah. from Washington, who's been unbelievable. We're going to have a very, very healthy debate about wide receiver two, probably wide receiver three, four, and five in this class. It might be a little bit of like, what's your flavor that you're looking for uh, specific to your offensive needs? Well, why Cincinnati taking a wide receiver? I think many people are going to say, well, what about every other wide receiver they already have? Yeah, uh, I know you're a fantasy guy, Phil, so you're probably not going to like this, especially if you have Jamar Chase on your fantasy team. But yep. just, ima just imagine a lineup of Chase, T. Higgins, and then Odunze. But T. Higgins is a free agent this offseason. I yep. would be surprised if he's not brought back, whether they re-sign him or, or if it's the franchise tag. Also, Tyler, Tyler Boyd, excuse me, and then also Trent Irwin. So yep. they have three wide receivers that are scheduled to be free agents this year, and they have to feel that void with Joe Burrow we know he needs those weapons around him so why not replace eventually T Higgins with Romo Dunze assuming that they don't want to pay him so I really like this fit with Dunze and then the Bengals offense has not been explosive this year just looking up some of the numbers what was most shocking is that they're 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 last in the league with explosive plays. They only have seven completions this year of 20 plus yards. So that yeah. shows me that they're really struggling as far as going down the field. And if you watch that Washington offense, one of the least concerns that you have is explosive plays down the field. So Roma Dunze brings that that one two punch with Jamar Chase in the future, eventually replacing T. Higgins. It's a luxury pick, but I love it. Like <laughs> it's like it's just fun to think about. And you know, they've they've paid their offensive tackles, uh bringing in Orlando Brown, kicking Jonah to the right side. Um, and I do think a lot of their struggles right now is just about Burrow being healthy and, and this offensive line gelling together as people have moved to new spots. So we'll see what the rest of the season looks like. But yeah, if if one of those receivers gets away, Boyd or Higgins, this this makes a ton of sense for me. But don't sleep with my guy, Charlie Jones, by the way. That was one of my my draft sleeper crushes yeah. last year. So don't no sleeping on Charlie Jones. He's a he's a weapon. Yeah, Charlie Jones on IR as we have this conversation, but had a big punt return for a touchdown. I believe that was the I think it might have been their first or second score of the entire season. If that offense was really stuck in the mud uh, for the first two weeks of the year. Uh, moving down a couple of picks here, Jordan, to pick number 16 overall. Uh, the Cardinals own the Texans pick. One that I think a lot of people thought could be like much closer to pick five. It's currently at 16. That's where ESPN FPI projects it. So what would they do with that 16th, that bonus pick, if you will, after having already taken Marvin Harrison earlier on in the proceedings? So they go with Illinois defensive tackle, Jerzon Newton, Johnny Newton, one of my favorite yep. overall players in this draft class. And this interior defensive line class, there was a lot of hype coming into the year about it. And I think it's kind of cooled off a little bit. But one player that's just been lights out this year is Newton. Just watching him last week against Wisconsin, I was blown away. And I tweeted this out. I said, this is the best defensive performance that I've seen from a complete game perspective of any defensive player. Like they wow. just could not block him at all. Yeah. And the, the unique thing about him is that he bounces around and plays so many different positions. Sometimes it's that three technique. The next play, he's head up nose. The next play, he's right. five technique. So he's just getting penetration from so many different spots. I'm a huge fan of Jerzon Newton. Same. I, I mean, I told you guys the last time we recorded, I watched him in person against Kansas running down Jalen Daniels, and they had no answer for him. They even tried running at him. You're like, oh, sure. we'll just run the ball at him, try to neutralize him. Didn't work. He's phenomenal. He's a top 10 player for me. So if the if the Cardinals manage to get him at 16, that is a win for that franchise. I hope he goes by one name or the other during the pre-draft process. I feel like people are going to, is it Jerzon or Johnny? I think Johnny just, for, for some reason, it just feels like the more appropriate uh, choice here. Johnny Newton, uh, absolute stud though. That guy's motor runs a freaking million miles an hour too. He is just all over the field. I'm going to scan all the way down to pick number 24, Jordan, because I think if we had done this exercise, I don't know, three, four months ago, there's a chance this might be a name in the top five, eight, 10 picks overall. 
Uh, as of right now, we don't know exactly what the health status is in this player, but tell us who you have for the Jaguars at 24th overall. It's Penn State defensive end Chop Robinson. And yeah. you're right, Field. He was getting a lot of top 15 buzz coming into the year. And he's been good for the most part. The Iowa Tate was unbelievable. He completely took over that game. Yeah. And then there's been some other games where he's been exceptional as well. Just fantastic edge rusher. Uh, very bendy. He can corner, dip and rip and finish at the quarterback. He's very exceptional doing that. Creates defensive pressure. And they've done some really unique things with him as well. They slide him inside and what I call the NASCAR package. They just get all that speed that they have on yeah. defense on the field on third down. And it was unfortunate that he got hurt early on in that Ohio State game just because that was the matchup that everybody was looking forward to. But the Jaguars, they just need a presence opposite of Josh Allen. Josh Allen has been an absolute stud for them in Jacksonville this year, has seven sacks already through seven games, but they just have been begging for Trayvon Walker to step up, and he just mm. has not been able to do so. So I think it's a situation of where they have to have a conversation in the offseason. Do you kick him inside and just play him at defensive tackle, which is just unfortunate just because you select somebody with the number one overall pick. You're expecting them to have a bigger impact than what he has had this year. But if he doesn't and he continues to struggle or if he continues to have the same output, I think Chop Robinson would be a really good compliment to Josh Allen. Yeah, it's almost like they should have just drafted Aiden Hutchinson. But that's, that's another podcast <laughs> for another day. Took the word right out of my mouth. Yeah, I'm lower on Chop. I, I have a round two grade on him. Uh, it's I've been a little underwhelmed this year. Yeah. I think, you know, he's small is one he thing. Is, and yeah. I think when I when I try to reconcile, you know, like he's 240 pounds, when I try to look at that with the – the, you know the, the stiffness that I see it's like not my favorite thing so I mean I'm uh, we've got six months I would love for my mind to be changed about that hopefully he comes back healthy and 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 flips that for me every time I watch their d-line I end up watching his teammate Adisa Isaac who is like yeah. one of my one of my other favorite players in the draft right so it's like I think comparing those two on the same field at the same time I end up liking Isaac a little bit better but there's no doubt Jacksonville is not getting what they need from Trevon Walker which is so disappointing. Uh, as great as the, the turnaround has been there, they'd just taken Aiden Hutchinson. They, yeah, this team would be, and to have that power opposite, you know, Josh Allen's a light pass rusher himself. So you you really need that 270-pound guy that they thought they were getting. But, uh, you know, hopefully he'll, he'll get things turned around. He's still a young player, Trevon Walker is. A couple more here to wrap things up. And uh, this will be a little bit more focused on the position uh, rather than the player necessarily here, Jordan. Let's go all the way down to pick number 30. Man, who shares your name. The Eagles on the clock, and they just keep stockpiling offensive linemen, huh? Yeah, I mean, you'd be crazy not to put a trench player for the Philadelphia Eagles, and everybody <laughs> yeah. wants to. The Bijan buzz last year was funny. Yeah, It was a fun idea to have, but we knew eventually it was going to be a trench player, whether it was a defensive tackle or defensive lineman or the offensive lineman. So I'm not going to make that same mistake as some did last year. I went with the offensive lineman, Jordan Morgan, out of Arizona, a player that I like quite a bit. And I think this is a good range for him. There's some scouts that have him in that early second round range, but I have that late first, early second round grade on him. And eventually they're going to have to get somebody to take over for Jason Kelsey. And they have some players already on the roster, whether it's Cam Jergens or Landon Dickerson that eventually could take over that center spot. So Jordan Morgan, some scouts view him as a guard. Some others view him as a tackle. It's but just having that flexibility, yeah. having that flexibility walking through the door, I think he can be that sixth guy off of the bench initially. But once Kelsey decides to call it quits, they can slide one of those players over to center and then Morgan eventually could take over a guard. No, that's interesting. Actually, all their offensive linemen have played other positions. You know, Lane yep. Johnson has played other positions, uh, both guards, as you mentioned. So this I like this. When I, when I saw it on the list, I was a little confused. Like, is he projecting him to play right tackle and take over for Lane Johnson? But as you explain it, 
Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. I like it. Surprised people are thinking Jordan Morgan should be a guard, by the way, or could be a guard in the NFL. I've seen tackle everything that I've seen so far. It certainly has the frame to be a tackle in the NFL. But if you're playing in Philadelphia, heck, they just have so many good players. Maybe they just say, hey, you're going to play guard because uh, otherwise you're going to be on the bench for a couple of years because we've got two awesome tackles already in the books. We'll wrap up here with the defending champs, who, according to ESPN Analytics, will be the upcoming champs as well. That's the Chiefs and uh, Jordan. They don't need a whole lot. They've been very, very good, and they have really crushed the draft defensively in recent years. How do they wrap up the first round in your mock draft? They went with Oregon wide receiver Troy Franklin, and he's a player that I've been really, really surprised by this year just because I had some concerns about his weight coming into the year just because he didn't yes, play strong slight. last year. Yeah, very, very slight frame at 6'3". I think they list him at 187 pounds, so very slight, but he plays much stronger than what his frame does indicate and just his ability to stretch the field vertically. I think you can get a cheaper option with him in that Marquez Valdez scantling role of just Ooh. taking the top off of the defense has a very similar build to MVS as well. So him just put him right away in that role. Rashid Rice has really come along for them. Sky Moore has been yep. a big disappointment. And then Justin Ross really hasn't come along so far either. So they need some help at wide receiver. And we've seen they're not scared to pour resources into wide receiver just because they've been trying to replace Tyreek Hill. And that offense is still rolling. But getting somebody like Troy Frank Franklin to take the top off, off of the defense, just throwing bomb, catching bombs from Patrick Mahomes. I think I really like this fit a lot. Yeah, and they need size. This is one of the things that I am constantly banging the table for in Kansas City is size at wide receiver. You know, it, for so long it was like they're drafting Miko Hardman, they're drafting Sky Moore, even Rasheed Rice. Is, he's he's like the biggest guy in their room, but he's not a big guy. So, like right. you said, Franklin, yes, he's slight, but at six foot three, you know, gives them that that vertical stretch target that they just really haven't have. And I think that shows up in the red zone more often than not for Kansas City is. They, you know, and obviously Travis Kelsey is fantastic and it doesn't appear like he's slowing down anytime <laughs> soon, but uh, having another weapon in the red zone when things get a little, little you know, muddy and the traffic gets tight, just having that six, three frame would be helpful. Yeah. I think the thing about roster building is that uh, it's better to do these things before it's a problem, right? So like anticipating the problem before it actually becomes a problem, maybe Kansas city will get ahead of the. I was going to say eventual Travis Kelsey regression, but at this point, who knows if it actually ever takes place? But uh, Mother Nature, Mother, uh, excuse me, uh, I was going to say Mother Nature, but that was I was going to Father Time was what I was actually looking for uh, <laughs> phrase wise. There, Father Time suggests that every player will eventually uh, reach that point in his career in which he is no longer the player he once was. Uh, that's unless, great stuff. Unless yeah. Taylor Swift keeps going to games, that's then a good he's point. never yeah. going to slow down. So <laughs> yeah. you can probably for I was going to say, I thought about going Jatavian Sanders here, which would be yeah. another great fit. The Titan yeah. from Texas would be a great fit for him, too. I believe, Matt, you had Jatavian to Kansas City in your first mock draft I as did. well. I yeah. did. So you right. guys are uh, sharing a brain on that pick right there, which would make a lot of sense for Travis Kelsey's succession plans. Uh, go find the entire mock draft on ESPN.com. Uh, the first of many mock drafts between Matt and Jordan. And uh, hopefully first draft will be back again over the next couple of weeks. Uh, it may not necessarily even be the halfway point of the NFL season, but it's starting to feel like draft season. You kind of smell it in the air. So uh, plenty of these two gentlemen coming your way over the next six months. Matt, Jordan, be well. We'll talk to everybody again sometime soon. ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, 
You never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Allstate. 